problem with that is the big guys own most of the shares. So actually the little guys didn't have much say. So that's when I thought, well, actually what we need is a tech, something not promises, not legally that tells everyone their prices won't go up or they have control, but something that makes it technologically impossible mm. for the company to raise prices. And that's where OpenBricks comes into it. Coming up on Tech Talks today, we are talking to Shahad Chowdhury. He is the co-founder of OpenBricks, and we're talking all about the housing crisis and how blockchain might offer an interesting solution. This is Tech Talks. It's your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk this across the industry, find out what their thoughts are. So whether or not you're a peer looking for a bit of inspiration or you're new to the industry and just interested in what's going on, this is the podcast for you. Today, I'm joined by Evie Oros. Again, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good. Looking forward to this evening? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, you do sound genuine. I, I do. will give you that. <laughs> uh, yes, if anyone's intrigued why we're looking forward to this evening, it's the launch of the Harvey Nash Technology Survey, which 2,000 people have filled out. And yeah, we've got about 100 people coming along to General Assembly to talk about things like mental health. Yeah. Poorly understood. Which is ridiculous because the survey says that it affects 50% of people in the tech industry. That's crazy. I now, can't believe it's that high. Well, I can. You know some of the people that we work with. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> true. You know, kind of put it into context and you go, hmm, maybe, okay. No. possible. <laughs> Joking aside, I mean, it, 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 I'm amazed that there is as much stigma around mental health when you see a stat like that that over 50% of people working in tech have at some point suffered from mental health challenges. You would imagine that that would mean that everyone is kind of at least aware of how it might affect others. Yeah, I guess it's just vocalizing it though, isn't it? And getting other people to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? Because there is such a, whilst it might be affecting people, it is so internal. You can't see it. You don't know who's suffering. And there is that cultural thing of not talking about it. That just, if we could just get over that, maybe you'd find that it was a lot easier for a lot of people. Yeah. If you, as, as coming to terms with it yourself as well, and then feeling comfortable talking to people about it. Mm-hmm. But then once you get that conversation going, you find that you can help and support so many other people. Yeah. But it's just that starting point. <laughs> Do you know what else is stressful? What? Looking for houses. It is. Oh my gosh, so stressful. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I've just started looking around and I'm stressed already. <laughs> Do you know where you're looking? Or is it like that, that, that pin the tail on the donkey thing where it's like literally it's, got no idea? Yeah, it's kind of anywhere that I can afford and anywhere that's kind of nice. <laughs> like, so that's probably a very small area? Yeah, a few, yeah. A few dots on the map and that's yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> when you look at a heat map of property prices in South East England, you just go, kill me now. <laughs> yeah. So depressing. Anyway, um, the reason why I bring that up is that today's interview is with Open Bricks co-founder and chief innovation officer, Shahad. Uh, so we will hand over to that interview. Stick with us though. Myself and Evie will have some comment and thought on it. And then we will have a piece of technology news. So on today's podcast, we are talking to Open Bricks, one of the co-founders, correct? That's correct. Shahad, yes. what, what is your job title there? <laughs> um, well, I'm the innovation lead at Open Bricks. Yeah. So I'm mainly involved in... Look, so we're very different to most startups where the founder is actually 
you know, someone who's completely control of everything. The way we've done it, we've got, um, we've kind of separated it. So mm. um, Adam, our chief operations officer, runs completely the operate. Uh, sorry, the chief commercial officer runs completely commercial side of things. We've got James Galva, a chief marketing officer, who runs the marketing work stream, um, and then the tech work stream basically is run run by me the yeah. tech and basically the operations is run but by innovation me. ties the wrong tech look we'll come back to that because I think that's mm-hmm. quite interesting but first of all before we dive into all of that because someone might not have heard of Open Bricks what is Open Bricks in the first um, instance well a simple answer is Open Bricks is uh, Europe's first decentralised property portal what does that mean well if you've gone if you've bought a house or rented in the new end last five years you would have got to write them with Zoopla yeah um, we're basically that the portal market and there's obviously hundreds of others we're one of those um, but we're the only one that's decentralised based on blockchain technology and why does the market need a decentralised blockchain property tech offering well okay um, let me give you a quick example if you wanted to if you went to look for a property the chances are you went to Rightman Zoopla yes. um, well in order to see that property right, right is probably one of my most visited apps on my phone at the minute I mean, don't quite have the house deposit together, but for some reason we're always on it looking at houses anyway. But there we go. That, that, <laughs> is, that is 90% of uh, basically the, uh, the, the millennials. Um, the I'm, older millennials. The, oh, even, yes, we're still millennials. I am. Um, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're still millennials. Hands. We may be yeah. the elder, but that's, that's kind of, it's become a pastime. Um, you know, we're like we're like the generation where we come to play Monopoly when all the properties have been bought, so we're just going around paying play, paying rent basically. <laughs> but it's still interesting to keep going around the board to see what kind of things are there. But okay, going back to that, like you said, most people do go and write them in Zoopla. Now yeah. those properties only exist because estate agents have put them on. You can't you can't put them on directly, so you have to go through an estate agent. Yes. And usually, estate agents um, charge. You're looking at anywhere between, I don't know, 15K to 20K a year per branch or whatever. Um, you know, these portals charge. So on average, most of the most of the stages you can ask, they're paying almost 30 grand a year on property portal fees. And right moves cost is part of that 30, so what, 15 or something like that? So right move, um, right move will say, I mean, it varies. That's the other thing, mm. it varies the state to state agent. They won't release which ones. Right. But I know personal state agents that are paying something like um, 13, uh, £1,300 a month. Okay. Um, and there's others. But what's so most, it's high cost for those, yeah. For yeah, those but what's most important, if you saw my LinkedIn last uh, last week, you would see there was a letter that a state agent got saying from right move that said, hey, you know, you're... you're, you're your costs were thirteen hundred pounds. Congratulations! Now they're three thousand seven hundred pounds. So that was a two hundred percent. Congratulations! Interest. Yeah, you get a congratulations letter. It was, <laughs> it's, it's great. Nice. Um, and if you saw, there's a there's another podcast that Open Bricks run, which is Property Talks. Um, Alex, uh, the managing director of Make Your Move, has also said that her costs went up fifty thousand. So if you're doing something quite unique here, you're making me feel sorry for estate agents. <laughs> Well, the thing is, what you don't, what I have now started to understand, <laughs> once I've gone down this rabbit hole, is yeah. the reason estate agents are the way they are and they're squeezing you for everything is because all of their money is going to the property portals. Mm. When your base cost is something you don't know if it's going to go up by 50%, you're, you're basically, where you're going to get that money from? The only person you're getting that money from is tenants yeah. and buyers. So they attack the tenants in order to recruit the money that they have to pay these big portals so the idea was well hold on a minute 
why why is it they pay this much money? I was asking them, why do you pay so much? You hold all the property po- properties and the tenants are the ones with the money to pay for rent. Why are you paying so much for this guy? It's just a platform. I said, well, we, we've, got, we've got no choice. That's where all the leads come in. Um, I said, well, why don't you join someone else? Their response was, well, whoever we join, that person's going to then screw us. <laughs> so if we raise anything, and that's when I thought, well, hold on a minute. If you guys were a true, and they, they, there was this thing called on the market, which was um, a truly agents mutual, which is all the agents get to own shares in mm. this company and they get to choose the price and everything. But only they then, the problem with that is the big guys own most of the shares. So actually the little guys didn't have much say. So that's when I thought, well, actually what we need is a tech, something not promises, not legally that tells everyone their prices won't go up or they have control, but something that makes it technologically impossible mm. for the company to raise prices. And that's where OpenBricks comes into it. Each of the estate agents that join us, yes. they pay £100 a month, but they also become nodes on the network. So if we started being... Like a portal. <laughs> like a portal and started charging <clears throat> crazy fees. Well, first of all, the fees and the things determined through voting rights for all the nodes. And worst case scenario, if they don't like us, they can just switch off their nodes and, and OpenBricks dies overnight. So they, in a, in a sense, you're giving them a bit of control. Control because they have some control over the network itself. Correct. So the state agents will have the control and therefore if they reduce prices. Mutually assured destruction. Correct. Right. That's right. So they control our our lifeline. Yep. We control the leads. So we have to work together. Yes. And I don't mind that being the scenario. And we make a don't get don't get me wrong. It's it's very profitable. At the end of the day, if every state agent's paying us a hundred pounds a month, that's 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 massively less than what they're paying now. But still, that's massive amounts of money for us. Now the reason that. All the leads come in via Rightmove is, of course, because people like me go, I need to look for property, go on Rightmove. Because it's just out there in subconscious that Rightmove is the brand to go look to. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember that maybe 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. Rightmove was, I'd, I'd go on three or four different ones, but now you just go to Rightmove. Correct. Um, and look, I'm not attacking Rightmove, but it's, it's become the synonymous name in the market. So how do you go from Open Bricks is this thing that people may not have heard of to being oh, you go and have a look at a property, go to OpenBricks, because I suppose without that happening, then you're not going to be able to deliver the leads that makes it work for the estate agents. Correct. But that's only if the estate agents are asking us to be the lead generator. Mm. So imagine this. The estate agents are the ones that are uh, managing this thing. Now, first of all, what does it? why would you go to OpenBricks? It's the same property that's on the right hand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you have no reason to go to Open Bricks because what we're asking is the state agents to put it on. We're not saying don't go to uh, Right Move because they'll lose their business. Lights mm-hmm. go out. So keep on Right Move and keep on and put on Open Bricks as well. Um, and if you build Open Bricks, it'll be a property portal that you control and you own as a community. All right. So, but then they'll say, well, what's the point of us still paying a hundred pounds a month for something if all our leads are coming through Right Move? Because you're still going to go there. What benefits do we give to tenants? Well, here's the thing. Right now, as you go into Rightmove, you meet your estate agent, and that's it. Yeah. That's where the interaction pretty much ends. OpenBricks, because we're decentralized and because we're based on um, based on blockchain, where do we add value to the tenants is their ledger history. What right. blockchain provides is a ledger history. So every time you pay your rent on time, there's a transaction 
on a ledger that you have on your phone, on your USB, you have full control over. There is no central person controlling that. So now imagine you've paid, you've had a two, you've stayed in your landlord's place for two years, and on the second year you're about to go somewhere else and you you move jobs. Now you've you've had 23 months of impeccable transactions, right? You've paid rent on time, inspections are perfect. Well, that will show on your ledger. Mm. Well, you've done that. But in the last month, you've had a disagreement with landlord about how much deposit he should keep. So you've taken the call and you've won that. Now you've gone to your next place and the guy, the first thing they stated says, give me your landlord so I can get reference. That landlord isn't giving you a good reference. Because it doesn't matter whether you've paid well 23 mm-hmm. months. It's that 24 months, because it went bad, as far as is concerned, you're a rubbish tenant. Yeah. So you're, you are suddenly beholden to making sure that that land, landlord looks after you. Whereas if you had a transaction issue, so you've got two choices. Give the new guy an excuse saying, oh, by the way, you know, the landlord doesn't like me, I've had excellent, and mm-hmm. the estate agent thinks, oh, I've heard that before, because they've had that from many tenants. Or you can say, well, here's my two-year bank statement to show all my rent's being paid. Who wants to give up two years worth of bank statements? I mean, you might have a subscription to Spurs there, you know? You don't want people to know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, an Arsenal fan I used to have? No, no, no. okay. No. Um, so, but if you can give a ledger history and say, look, yeah. this is immutable, undeniably true. I paid 23 months. The last month he's refused, you know, we had a bit of an issue because of yeah. deposit. But then it's up to the the person to read the facts. Yeah. And on top of that, we have a we have an agreement with Credit Ladder that every time you pay your rent on time, it goes towards your mortgage or your your credit rating. Now this is the biggest issue of our times. We need an, we have a social contract that says that the generation above us they got paid they had that they got their houses quite early so they yes. paid their mortgage and they were able to get credit rating. Well, we're generation rent. Why yeah. is my rent not going towards my credit They bought rating? Old Kent Road and they stuck hotels on it. Exactly. And yeah. we're paying the rent. But guess what? We can't get credit rating. So our our car fees are higher. Yeah. Our credit card fees are higher because our monthly rent doesn't go towards our credit rating. Well, now it will. Yeah. Because every time you transact, credit ladder for a partnership credit ladder will happen. And you'll get better credit rating over time. Yeah, yeah. So that's why people at first, they will still come through right move. But the estate agents will then explain to them, listen, come through, come join us on Open Bricks, register there and you get all of these benefits. Now, one question to ask. Uh, you said that they have a control, they have control of a node that they can turn off. From a technology standpoint, how easy is it for the estate agent who may not be particularly technolo- technologically mm-hmm. savvy to operate the system like you know we've got blockchain here they're in control of the node it sounds like it could be quite complicated i'm assuming it's not but it would be just interesting to no you you're right it is complicated to set up a node which is why we have engineers that go and set it up for them and we then leave them we we can give them a raspberry pi we can they can just plug into the back of their yeah. wi-fi and then if they want to download download they unplug it it's as simple as that, but that they, they'll have to pay for. Or they can upload, they can have their own app. Amazon Web Service provides blockchain nodes. Yep. So we will we will send an engineer to them and say, look, we've just set you up a node on the network, which isn't ours, it's zero BS network. Um, if you want to if you want to cancel your, if you don't want to be a node no more, press that button. So it operates software as a service almost to them. Yeah. And and they they they've got the password they've got everything we don't touch oh. it and it's not even on that. So how come you're a chief innovation officer? You're in charge of technology. 
Um, and that's not to say that technology isn't innovative. Of course it is, but it's just not the title that you would normally assume someone like you would take. No, no. I, 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 I think the biggest problem... Um, I don't like saying the CTO, Chief Technology Officer, because then I think that's more operations. Um, if you're a web company, there's no such thing as... You're, the Chief Tech Officer is the Chief Operations Officer. It's the same yes. thing, because you're just operating the tech. You're a web service. Um, there might be some back office work, but if you've got some back office work, then in my opinion, you haven't automated enough of your processes, therefore you're not efficient enough. Mm. My trade, shall I say, is as a process engineer. That's 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 kind of my, that's what my skills are, that's what my background is, and I've started as a process engineer. Now, why innovation? Because the tech side of things, once you've built it, it's kind of running. Your job is to build on top of that, is to innovate, to make it better. What's new? If you think about the, how long it took the first estate agent to go digital, it took 100 years, mm. right? From 1809 to 1990. But the apps, but from the dot-com boom of the 1990s, the first online estate agent, it took probably about 20 years. But from the app world, when the soft, soft, smartphones came out and the apps came out, the first property app came within five years. Mm. So technology is <clears throat> moving faster. So you need to constantly not just keep up to date with the most technological advancements, which is what I think tech, tech guys do. I think you need to stay ahead and be the innovator. Yep. So I think I would rather be the innovator saying, right, okay, what's next? Okay, that blockchain part, done. You know, we've got the, we've built something that's never been built before. We've got the transaction. We've got this history. Right, what's next? What do we do? What do we give more to the millennials that for the next generation that are going to be generation ready. Mm. How do we get them to become a house buyers if that's what they want? Now, you were an academic and you worked in government. Mm-hmm. What do you think the most challenging aspect of moving across to running a startup in enterprise has been for you? Um, well, actually, I, I don't know. I think I think the thing I, where I was in government, I was innovation lead. Mm. So it was very... And we, I worked for a very small organisation within the UK government, which is um, UK Export Finance. It's kind of the government's export bank, to say to speak. I mean, they sell insurance and mm. um, things for exports. So they were actually quite forward-thinking in a lot of things. Um, so it was a small organisation in comparison, 300 people. And they did allow me to kind of go and push the boundaries on robotics and proof concept. But I think the biggest thing is you did go home. You did clock off. Yes. You uh, when you're running a business, you never clock off. I was just in Spain, and every morning I said to my wife, "Give me two hours to kind of see what happened during the day." And you're always checking what's going on. Um, If someone's going to run ahead and give and run into a wall, give them bloody nose, you kind of went, "Okay, let that happen." Uh, If someone's about to fall off the cliff, you kind of jump in to stop it. So Mm -hmm. you kind of need to know. Whereas when you're in government. Yeah, I, I went to Cuba two weeks, didn't even take my phone, don't even need to worry. You've got plenty of people to That's what ministers do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. No, um, no, I won't say anything. Yeah. No, but in it, is, it is a lot more, like, you have a lot more support, a lot more. And it's, I've worked in private sector companies, yeah. and it's not as supportive as government. So if I, I would recommend any millennial, actually, go spend two years working in government. Um, it's going to be very slow. You might find it very boring. Um, but it does. It, what it does is it allows you the thinking time. Yes. So it makes you spend more time thinking and less time doing. Um, and that's 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 a very good skill to have. That's interesting because I've I've spoken to a few entrepreneurs who've come to it slightly later career wise than I'm out of university. I'm going to build a company, and mm-hmm. they've said that that pause and that period where they reflect yeah. has actually been very useful. 
Definitely. I mean, I like I've built other companies, and exactly that we, you know, we've we've kind of um, just everyone's rush, 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 develop, <laughs> develop, develop, never stop developing. Oh, this is a good idea. This is a good idea. This is a good idea. And you're constantly developing, and you're never thinking why. Yeah. You know? You're never yeah. thinking well, um, what's going to happen? And plus you get to understand people's life experiences. Like mm. when you're in government, you hear someone who was a pilot um, and he had this great idea to automate something um, and, he, and he put that in there. Uh, he worked with Virgin and he said, Look, let's, let's automate this. It, it saves me about 20 minutes on the time. And the CEO said, okay, but that goes into the ticket price yes. and it goes to two pounds more. Will my customer pay two pounds more so this can be automated for you? The current chances are no, they couldn't mm. care less, so no, I'm not automating it. And it kind of puts you, at first you think, what an idiot, right? You, you could make life so much more efficient, you're choosing not to do it. But the other time, well, actually, your customers are something he's focusing on. So you yeah. kind of get to understand the balance. Shahad, it's been brilliant to talk to you. Thank you very much for coming in and talking about Open Bricks, something close to my heart being a millennial who's rented in London for many years. But uh, fingers crossed it continues to go well. And maybe Rightmove won't be just the go-to in future. Well, we we don't care if Rightmove is the go-to. We think Rightmove is still going to be the entry leads for yeah. um, for a lot of estate agents, but we're the exit barrier. It's an alternative. Um, we're, the alternative. we're the exit barrier. Once tenants start using our platform and get a ledger history from that, our, our, estate, our estate agents will realise that they're not going to go to any other platform because they yeah. continue to use us to get the ledger history. So Rightmove is the cool. entry leads, but we're the exit barrier. Awesome. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. You mentioned before we got into the interview that you were beginning to search for a property. Yes, that's right. What app is on your phone? Um, so it is Rightmove. It and, is Rightmove. Of course it's Rightmove. And Zoopla though. And Zoopla. How often do you go on Rightmove versus Zoopla? I mean, probably Rightmove a lot of the time. Have you, have you, have you actually pressed on the Zoopla app in the last month? No. No. <laughs> I don't think there so. we go. No. It is crazy. Like, you know, joking around, I've been looking at properties on and off for the last year now. Mm. Um, and I've also, having lived in London for over a decade, rented a number of properties. Yeah. And it is right move every single time. Yeah. Every single time, without thought. Yeah. And even if you search for something online, the first ad that pops up is always right move. You always click on the mm. top one, it's always right move. Yeah. And they've got everything anyway, so. And look, this isn't, and I said in the interview, this isn't a chance to have a go at right move because it's a wonderfully successful business model and well done there. Yeah. But it is a monopoly to all intents and purposes mm. and monopolies in any market are not competitive and they cause friction. And it would appear that a lot of the gripes, or Shahad suggests that many of the gripes that we have with estate agents are due to the fact that they work in an environment where they don't really have much room to manoeuvre. Yeah, and you've got no other choice, do yeah. you? That's all you've got. <laughs> so how familiar are you with blockchain solutions generally? Um, not so familiar <laughs> this, a bit. so this this is the first time that I've seen blockchain applied to democratize a platform I suppose yeah I only I've only ever really heard of it in relation to banks and maybe like healthcare as well yeah that's the only time I've ever really heard of it never never to do with this definitely when it comes to kind of stopping fraud to providing provenance safeguarding financial transactions yeah yeah totally but decentralizing a monopolized market and giving everybody some skin in the game so that you all it's in your best interests to work together i think it's a really interesting and different user case for something like blockchain 
I'm sure people would say that there are other, other ways of doing this, but mm. it, it were you know Shahad said that you know word and, and contracts don't necessarily work, but this is is reinforced by the technology itself and is wholly transparent. Yeah, and it seems to be working well, and they seem to be happy with the way that they get to use it and have more control over what they're doing and mm. and. Um, when he mentioned about credit ratings for people as well, yeah, I think that's amazing. Well, it's rubbish, isn't it? Like, why, why shouldn't, why should every other bill go towards your credit rating? But the fact that you maybe have lived in London for, let's say, three, four, five years, renting, never miss a payment, consistent. Mm. They check your credit rating before you rent a property. Yeah. So why shouldn't your track record as a tenant? be taken into consideration as part of that yeah and that's you pay that every month for as long as you're living right as long as you're living in a house you're paying that and if they're going to check it in the first place oh but then it doesn't count it seems i don't know it seems a bit pointless and especially when you kind of think about mortgages right like who cares about a 30 pounds direct debit that maybe you accidentally defaulted on because if you were paying 15 16 1700 a month and you're trying to buy a property where the mortgage repayments are 1400 a month, surely that should count for more. Yeah. Like you can clearly make the payments if you've been renting for any length of time. Yeah, and it's still a monthly payment. Exactly. Like, it's exactly the same thing. I'd, like, I'd never heard of credit ladder until before this. No, neither had I. Neither had I. I think, I don't know, I just think it's a really great idea and I know that I definitely use that yeah. to help my credit rating for sure and, and I think that's the brilliant hook isn't it because I, I when he was describing Open Bricks to me initially it's like I, it's a good idea but convenience you kind of go well all the properties are on right move so I'm going to yeah. continue to go to right move but, but now you can kind of basically go oh right okay um, here's something that not only can I look for properties but it's going to improve my credit rating improve my chances of getting housing and, and that's only a good thing yeah and I will definitely use a system that does that for me yeah and look the only other thing that I kind of I, I, I kind of struck, jumped out at me was the fact that they're going to be using estate agents as their ambassadors effectively yeah because it makes sense for ambassadors to fix this um, this system you know they're not going to be in a situation where a company is arbitrarily going to decide that they've got a 200% increase so they're going to be going out, going out to the market and, and selling open bricks effectively every single time that they can which is a really smart business model from a growth perspective yeah and it saves them so much money doesn't it yeah Yeah, it's like a congratulations letter that he mentioned I thought that was really funny as if you get a congratulations letter for that you're doing really well so we're going to charge you lots more money (laughs) lucky you yes look Shahad thank you for coming on the show Um, this is something that both myself and Evie can relate to being um, actually you're not a millennial I don't think I think you're Gen Z but oh. it's probably even worse for you um, feels like it <laughs> but there you go yeah problems problems that we face <laughs> us young-ish people um, but yeah thanks for coming on the show really topical stick with us though we'll have a piece of technology news afterwards once a month Tech Talks opens the Tuck Shop a YouTube tech news roundup which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24/7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai and many more.
Welcome back to Tech Talks. As always, a piece of technology news. This is taken from the next web. It is uh, written by podcast friend and sometime contributor Jesse Bello Perez, who I know that you're, you're looking at me blankly because you don't really know her being used to the show. That's fine. We love <laughs> Jesse. We love Jesse. Well, everyone knows you're relatively <laughs> new to the show. You're going to really hate me for this because you're going to be like, what on earth are we talking about here? There's a Nevada man that's been charged for allegedly running a $11 million Bitcoin Ponzi scheme. What? Yeah. So a man in the US has been charged for allegedly operating a $11 million Bitcoin Ponzi scheme. The Commodity Future Trading Commission, the CFTC, announced the filing of a civil enforcement action yesterday charging David Gilbert Saffron of Las Vegas and Circle Society um, with fraudulent solicitation, misappropriation and registration violations. The complaint says that from at least December 2017, the defendants fraudulently solicited and accepted at least $11 million worth of Bitcoin and US dollars from at least 14 people in the United States. The money was then used to exchange binary options on foreign currencies and cryptocurrency pairs, amongst other things. Oh my gosh. <laughs> This is the other side of blockchain, right? Wow, I don't even know where to start with Yeah, that. look, it's, it's, <laughs> the reason why I wanted to talk about this, digital assets and other 21st century commodities hold great promise for, the, for economies, right? Yeah. There's a lot of suggestion that fiat economies are a little bit outdated, so like you know, pounds, sterling, whatever else, they're yeah. not fit for the, for the digital economy. But at the same time, where you've got Bitcoin, one of its strengths is that it can't be regulated in the same way. It can't, you know... You, you, you can't have um, a government arbitrarily deciding interest rates and whatever else. Yeah. People say that's a strength, but equally as, as a weakness, mm-hmm. it's a lot less transparent, which is why it's been used for dark web <laughs> activities such as terrorism, etc. Yeah. Because it's very easy to get money through Bitcoin without it being traced in quite the same way. And it's fundamental piece, though. It's, it's just interesting. I think it's interesting because it shows how naive people are around this technology still. Yeah, I think that's... That's crazy. <laughs> like, I mean, you probably out. hear people talking about Bitcoin, right? Yeah. But loads. would you ever think to invest or use it? Or it is it's the fact that it's so far removed from here's this thing that I understand that I see in my HSBC Barclays account, whatever else, something that puts you off? Um, I don't think so. But I feel like I just wouldn't really know. I don't know enough about it. What, as <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with it. I, I suppose that's the thing, right, as well. Like, it's easy to cheat people, innocent people, out of money if they don't know what they're doing with something. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really important, actually, that someone like the CFTC in the States does take to task anybody who's using it to, 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 to scam people and actually brings to... You're not okay. You can't you can't regulate Bitcoin, but what you can do is you can you can catch people and make examples of them and try and make it more, more dissuade more people from doing similar. I guess it's not regulating regulating Bitcoin, more regulating what people are doing with it. Yeah, exactly. It's very hard to to regulate Bitcoin. That's the whole point. But what you can do is you can at least try and catch people who are who are using it in nefarious ways, yeah. and therefore hopefully demonstrating that other people can feel some confidence that they can use it without. Ending up having yeah, 14 people, $11 million. That That's means that there's, there are some people who've got a lot of Bitcoin and really don't understand what they've got. No. I just hold on to it and be like, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing yet. Let me just keep it. Like, oh, yeah, we can invest your two, $2 million of Bitcoin for you, sir. Oh, can you? Right, brilliant. Yeah, thanks. You can uh, see people would believe that, though. 
surely if you had that much of it you'd be really really careful with it yeah I've got £10 of it oh yeah it's worth like £7 at the minute okay well, but that, like, that's my extent still. of Bitcoin and it's like 0.00 something one of a shitoshi or whatever it's those that you hold on for like years and years and you're like one day it's going to be worth millions like. exactly no I don't think so I think I've missed that boat okay. anyway I found this quite interesting for that reason yeah because it shows how much of a wild west frontier it is at the moment and you know shout out to Jesse because I love Jesse <laughs> so event tonight yep what do you think you're going to look forward to the most anything out of the survey that you're most interested in knowing about um I guess seeing how people think talking about mental health in the workplace can be destigmatized and how you can get people more comfortable talking about it. And look, if anyone's listening and they've got any ideas on that, why not get in touch on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever else and tell us if you know of any good examples of how people have managed to destigmatize mental health. Until then, goodbye, Evie. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you.